guys doing? Matt Brower here, managing broker of Column Commercial Partners, sitting here with Juan Padro in his newest restaurant, Morin. Juan, welcome. Thank you for the uh, opportunity to interview you. Thanks for having me. So um, we just want to jump in. If you can give us a quick background on you personally, uh, where you're from, how you got into the restaurant business. Sure. Um, I am not a restaurateur by trade. I grew up in Massachusetts in a small town about 60 miles west of Boston called Charlton, outside of Worcester. Um, and uh, after I graduated school, uh, I was a headhunter in the dot-com era in the late 90s. And uh, ended up doing, uh, ended up moving to Colorado in 99. Uh, lived here from 99 to 03. I opened up an office for the firm I was working for. Moved back to Boston, um, worked in executive search down in New York, and then um, and uh, and then in management consulting uh, for a company called Business Edge Solutions, uh, which in 2007 got acquired by EMC. I believe at the time was the second largest technology company in the world, and became EMC Business Consulting. Yeah, definitely familiar and with that. And then um, 2008 well, I was part of a team that started Centerline Partners, uh, which still exists today. Um, but in 2009, I got a call from uh, a good friend of mine out in Denver uh, that I'd known for a number of years and asking if I wanted to invest in uh, his new bar that was opening up in, uh, in, the, in the, the new low-high neighborhood uh, or old North Denver, however you want to refer to it. And uh, so I uh, flew out, kind of took a look at it, um, was looking to diversify a little bit and felt like I'd throw a little bit of money at that. Talked to Katie and she agreed. And so we decided to, uh, to invest. And, um, I, you know, the project was, was super undercapitalized. So we had to sort of make a decision whether or not we were going to walk away or double down and, um, and uh, participate more. And uh, so we chose the latter and packed our bags and moved out to... Colorado, and she had never been here, and and uh, and uh, we opened up Highland Tap in September of 2010. Nice, that's a great story. So, was Highland Tap the restaurant that you guys invested in originally? Yeah, that was the first one. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, so that was your first experience in the restaurant business. I mean, I, you know, worked in restaurants like a kid, like most people. Yeah, you know, in their younger Growing years. Up. So, yeah, but okay. my first job was a dishwasher in a uh, seafood shack, seasonal seafood shack in Massachusetts. And, and then I, the next year I got promoted to uh, scooping ice cream, nice. Ro Ronnie seafood and ice cream. So, Very cool. So that clearly uh, lit a fire within you oh, in like the restaurant eat. business. Yeah. <laughs> I like the discounted yeah. meals when you, I was a, a hockey player. And uh, so uh, the more food I could put in my system, the better. The, better, the cheaper yeah. it was, the better, too. So Burning a lot of calories playing hockey. That's right. So um, what kind of growth have you seen in, the, in Denver's restaurant uh, scene as a whole since you've been, been in this game? I mean, there's a couple different categories of growth. Um, you know, first and foremost, the, uh, the concepts have become a little bit more diverse. Um, there's still quite a bit of ways to go, I think, there. Um, I think you've seen, um, the biggest thing I've seen is that chef talent is coming into Denver as opposed to leaving Denver to go further their careers. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got a couple restaurants where, like, for example, at Senor Bear, Sebastian Ramirez is from San Juan and, and Puerto Rico. And, um, you know, we've got uh, Marin, we've got a couple guys that have moved out from New York and San Francisco. And, you know, typically, you you know, or historically, you would never have, have seen that um, because the restaurant scene just wasn't um, 
you know, at the level of those big cities and, and there weren't the programs in place, you know, front and back of the house. And um, not that there weren't good restaurants, they just weren't, you know, if you're a career uh, chef and you want to make your mark and you want to, you know, push food forward, uh, it, it wasn't a very progressive restaurant city. And I think right. that that has changed. Yeah, yeah, I would very much agree with that. Um, and what do you think is driving that change, that growth within Denver? I mean, you know, the entire city's grown, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that have moved in here. But, you know, for we, we had a four or five-year run where about 100,000 people a year moved into the state and into the city of Denver, probably, you know, 15-plus thousand people a year. And I think it's still probably 10,000 a year moving into the city. So, And right. a, lot of, a lot of these um, uh, transplants uh, are coming for – it used to be you would come to Colorado because you wanted to be in the mountains. And people are actually coming to Colorado because they want to live in Denver now. And I think industry has gotten more diverse. Um, you know, Boston, New York, L.A., San Francisco, incredibly expensive places to live. I know we think Denver's expensive, but it's not even close to those cities. <laughs> and uh, so you have a lot of people from those areas. And, you know, there was just a pent-up demand for, um, you know, for uh, different styles of food. And, and you've brought, you know, I think there's some diversity um, you know, unfortunately, that doesn't exist downtown. But you know, in the in the peripheral areas of Denver, there's there's good diversity and cool ethnic restaurants and and things like that. Yeah, yeah, great. And uh, speaking of diversity in restaurants, we're going to give us a quick summary of all of your re uh, restaurant concepts that you currently have and maybe what you're working on. Yeah, sure. So um, I'll, I'll I'll say that you know some of these we own uh, outright, and some of them we're partners in and, and things like that. So we have. Two groups. We've got the Tappenberger Group, uh, which has Highland Tappenberger, uh, Tappenberger at Sloan's Lake, and, and the newest one at Bellevue Station um, and DTC. And uh, then we have what's called Culinary Creative, uh, which is a group that does um, conceptual development and financial and operational management on the consulting side. Um, and uh, and then we, ha we have uh, some concepts. So you uh, if you're familiar with Bardot, uh, which is our Italian concept. My Se favorite restaurant in Denver, yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Senor Bear, which is a Latin-inspired concept. Uh, we have, um, uh, we're partners in 7908 uh, in Aspen, which is a late-night supper club, sort of in the vein of Studio 54 or El Morocco or some of those old great supper clubs. Um, and then, um, you know, we, our, our newest one was, uh, we opened about five weeks ago, called Morin. Uh, which uh, we took over the Wazi Supper Club, which is the oldest restaurant in, in Lower Downtown, and, uh, and we changed it into a modern French uh, restaurant. And, um, and uh, in December, we opened up Ashkara, which is our Israeli Mediterranean uh, restaurant, which will be right next to Senor Bear um, on 33rd and Tejon, and uh, we're pretty excited about that one. Another great concept in my neighborhood. I cannot wait. Very cool. So you, uh, your hands are full, obviously. Can you tell me um, if you know how many people entirely you can you uh, employ? Uh, as of yesterday, I was told 387. Nice. So you know, probably one of the larger employers in Metro Denver. I would. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah. No, no. I think the majority of companies here in Denver are, you know, less than 100 people. So. Wow. Yeah. All right, so what would you say the most important factors are that you look for when um, opening a new restaurant? You clearly have um, something 
magic that you put together. Uh, all of your concepts seem to be fairly successful. Is there anything that you make sure that you have in all of your concepts when you're opening up a new restaurant? Well, I've got great partners. Um, you know, Katie does uh, the financial management, and, you know, she was spent a decade at Wellington Management, which was an institutional investment firm in Boston, and uh, she's a CFA. She has her master's in mathematics from Harvard. She's smart, and uh, she allows us to make good financial decisions, and I think that that's really important in any business, but in restaurants in particular, um, because there's so many other factors that are involved. And uh, putting all those factors together uh, so that you can make an educated decision is really important. Uh, we've got great chef talent. Max is my uh, chef partner. And, um, you know, it's pretty simple. He's the best chef in, in the area. And uh, I think you're always at an advantage when you have that. But we've got a good roster of chefs. We're super deep and high-level talent. And we're pushing food forward. And I think a lot of people want to work for our group because of that in the kitchen and because of Max, and uh, so uh, so we have the staffing sort of in order, so I think that's important. Um, my job is, is sort of on the deal side and dealing with investors and realtors and lawyers and uh, making sure that we're putting deals together that are sustainable, uh, both short and long term. And um, so for me personally, um, you know, the success of, of your business, if the, all the other things, all the controllable things are, are, are being taken care of, really comes down to what kind of deal uh, you have and what your relationship is with your landlord or your other partners. So we look for, um, you know, just good, um, good real estate partners. I think are, are super important. So, great, great. Yeah, and it, uh, uh, what I heard a lot in what you just said was comes down to the team, both people you're working with on a daily basis and ev everyone you surround yourself with to pull a project off. Correct. That's great. All right, so uh, what, uh, what advice would you give to others looking to open a new restaurant? I mean, I think a lot of times when I look at people opening uh, restaurants, and, uh, and obviously that's happening a lot in Denver, uh, they're very, very, very concerned with just one element, um, whether it's food or whether it's a cocktail bar or whether it's wine or, or whatever. And restaurants are much more complicated than that. Uh, there's a lot of goods and services and a lot of moving parts. Um, I don't care how good your food is, um, you know, if, if you don't have the right people executing your business model, you're going to fail. I don't care how good your business model is. If you don't have the right real estate and you don't have the right uh, real estate partner, you're going to fail. And, um, you know, there's a lot of you've got to you've got to spend a lot of time on that stuff because a lot of people are overpaying for real estate and they're passing that bill down to um, retailers and restaurateurs. And, um, you know, I'm just. There's going to be a lot of empty restaurant space in Denver because people just can't afford uh, to operate, um, you know, with these numbers. And they don't, they're not forward thinking. They don't understand the law. For example, um, you know, minimum wage in the front of the house goes up a dollar a year uh, in Colorado, which, you know, at a place like TAP cuts $50,000 off of profit every single year uh, for us uh, if, if we were to, to stay stagnant, right? So if I'm not thinking four or five years in advance and I'm saying I'm looking at a real estate deal and trying to fit a square peg into a round hole um, and I'm not planning for that additional cost and rents are going up and taxes are going up and all that's happening, I'm going to close my doors. Yeah. And we're starting to see that. It's starting to happen big time in Denver. It's going to be it's unfortunate, but it's, it's a very, very, very real issue that we're faced with. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm also hearing that just workforce in general is just – very difficult to find people 
to work, you know, in the restaurant business? I think it's challenging, but I think we're, I mean, every single one of our restaurants is staffed. So we're, That's we're great. Good. Congrats. So um, what mistakes, if any, have you made along your journey? Um, and what would you, you know, if, is there anything you do differently now having, if you were have known that back then? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I make about 20 mistakes a day. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that's probably not even an exaggeration. So um, I, would, I would say that um, first and foremost, don't be afraid of making mistakes. Just be accountable for them, learn from them, and move forward. Um, the biggest ones that we've made, I think, to date are with when we structured. Well, we came in a little later, and Highland Tap was structured as an S-Corp, uh, which doesn't allow for much flexibility for growth. Uh, that was a terrible decision. Um, so we're going to have to unwind that and, uh, you know, uh, refile as an LLC, and that's probably going to cost us a couple hundred thousand dollars in taxes. Um, so uh, I'm, not, I'm not loving that at all so uh that that's probably number one on my list of things and then i would say number two is um you know i would say with some of the deal structures and you know you have different when you're small you're just trying to get restaurants open so you have multiple investors and um and as you grow in our situation we're going to go from you know 12 to 36 million in sales next year and you know uh, we have different investors and different restaurants, and now we're, um, you know, our financing looks different. Our opportunities for financing looks different. Uh, our opportunity to restructure debt looks different. We own real estate now, uh, leveraging that. And uh, but, uh, you know, when you have different investors kind of across the board, and it, you know, everybody wants their friends and family to be involved and stuff like that. You know, you can't cross collateralize and leverage uh, as well. So I would say that's probably another. Uh, thing that you know we're unwinding right now and fixing but um, you know that takes time and money and so I would be conscious of how you structure your deal mm. sounds like uh, the more the larger you get the more complex things are getting super complex and congrats on uh, the massive increase in revenue you're anticipating over the next uh, yeah those are signed deals that's just revenue that we're doing now with the restaurant you know we open uh, you know four restaurants so that'll just, and they're bigger ones, and so. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. That's great. So, um, looking long term, what's your long term vision for yourself, your company? Um, I mean, the, the the two priorities next year, we're going to set up a foundation that sits underneath our our companies, um, and uh, you know we have certain nonprofits that we're super passionate about, and uh, you know I believe really believe in the Clinton Foundation. I love the way they structured. They got a lot of criticism and. Um, and uh, unwarranted, but that's what happens when you run for president. But uh, it was the most genius organization I have ever seen. And uh, essentially they um, have a staff of people that are full-time salaried uh, that go out and do work in the world and really impact people, roll up their sleeves, and, you know, that's their job. And, um, you know, typically when you think of a nonprofit, you give some money and, and you say, okay, well, how much, what percentage of my money is going to the nonprofit? Well, right. Maybe twenty percent of their money is going to the nonprofit, in but in theory. But the actuality is, all their people that work for them are working, so one hundred percent is going, and it's amazing. But so for me, I have three hundred and eighty-seven employees. A bunch of them are in their twenties. They all want to help. Mm -hmm. um, they don't know how to help. They can't afford to help. Uh, to have a foundation where I can say, hey, you know, you can go work with third wave volunteers and Dr. Allison Thompson in Haiti. And I can pay you to go down there and do that and supplement your income while you're gone because you're a tipped employee. Um, I can really, I think, impact uh, 
the kids that are really going to change the world. I mean, I'm going to be 45 next week. Um, you know, my days of, of changing the world are coming to an end. It's going to have to be the kids in their 20s. So I think we have a responsibility to really support those kids and, and uh, put them in positions where they learn empathy and, um, and emotional intelligence and, um, and, and learn how to lift people up. Wow, that's great. And, you know, I will say that one thing that has struck me about you personally is when Puerto Rico got hit by the, mm. you know, the hurricane and all the power went down. I did see that you personally went over there. Yes. Spent a lot of time and energy and work and labor yeah, I did. impacting that. I did 88 days down there. Wow. So, which was, yeah. was pretty so you practice what you preach. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not a, you know, money always helps. But, um, but that's, you know, once it leaves your hands, you know, you forget. And I can tell you, flying down there and being a first responder down there was uh, definitely uh, gives you a different perspective. And, um, you know, I think, I think it just by being there makes you a better human being. So I'd, yeah. uh, I'd like to pass that along to the kids that work for us. So. Great. That's great. Cool. Well, um, so these next uh, few questions are meant to be rapid fire. I'll just, uh, they're all about you personally. Sure. Um, so who is your hero? Jack Kennedy. Favorite news source uh, or sources? Comedians. Nice. <clears throat> All right. I like that answer. Uh, favorite book or movie? Uh, favorite book. Um, the No Asshole Rule. How about? Written by a Stanford professor doing a year at Harvard at Harvard Business School. Everybody in business should read it. It's amazing. <laughs> That's great. Uh, how about favorite quote? If you are the smartest person in the room, you are in the wrong fucking room. <laughs> Love it. Uh, favorite technology? Um, I don't... Probably something that creates a really good piece of food, you know, so maybe a, a, some sort of compression or, compression or compressor or, I don't know, some toy that these guys are using in the kitchen that put something on my plate that I'm dying to eat. Yeah, just <laughs> mind-blowing good. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Favorite way to unwind? Uh, I don't really unwind very much. Um, and uh, so I, I don't know that I I have a great answer for that. Uh, I'm, not, I'm a pretty, like, go, 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 go person. Um, but uh, every now and again, I like to get a massage. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah, none of us probably get those often yeah. enough. I was actually in New Orleans last weekend, and I went to bed at midnight on Thursday and midnight on Friday, which is usually kind of when you go out in New Orleans. And then I woke up Saturday, and I haven't done yoga in like two years, and I walked to a yoga studio and did yoga. That was good. Nice. Well, um, at Column Commercial Partners, we have a vision of a thriving business community based on generous leadership and authentic connections. I very much appreciate your time and allowing us to interview you being a successful entrepreneur and business owner in Colorado. And, um, you know, generous leadership is what you're all about. So I appreciate it. And thank you individually for your support. All right. You help pay my bills. <laughs> and uh, we're sitting here again in Marin. I encourage uh, the listeners to come check this restaurant out if you have not yet. Bardot, Highland Tappan Burger, Senor Bear, all of these uh, restaurants, they're the best in town. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you.